Good afternoon and welcome to the Family, Faith, and the Village podcast. My name is Steve Miller and I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Zachary Waugh. And we just appreciate you taking the time to find us. Uh, if you're listening to what is now our fourth podcast, I think, uh, uh, we're blessed that you take a little time to listen to Zachary and I uh, talk back and forth a little bit. Hopefully we've provided some insight. Hopefully we've maybe spurred some thought or some action on your part in your family, in your faith, uh, or in that village around you. If you are uh, listening to the podcast, please uh, let us know what you think. So uh, uh, let us know if you like what you hear. Uh, look for us on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify, and uh, you know, share us with friends. And we'd love to uh, to have a few more people listening each and every week as we tackle as a whole in this podcast, uh, kind of that building um, faith in our families and our kids, um, and how we may handle the the challenges of life and of family and marriage and everything in between. And specifically, Zachary, the last few weeks. We've been talking about kind of each age group, how we might kick that off in the home. Yeah, so we've been in this mini-series called Faith Building, and we started a couple weeks ago talking how do you build faith in the youngest of age groups, really from birth till about pre-K. And last week we talked about the elementary age students and all the questions and all the eagerness that they have uh, the first week of this mini-series, Faith Building, when we were talking about the infants, we said that they were sponges, they soak everything up. Last week, uh, Steve actually pointed out that he had written down the same thing in regard to elementary students, that they ask a ton of questions. So I'm interested to find out if we wrote kind of the same thing in regard to our junior high category. So just pencil down here on my notes that I have. Up at junior high, they equal action takers or the doers steve was that close to what you have were we off this week no that's again spot on i think we touched on it last week it's zachary and i don't necessarily compare notes as we prepare for these conversations with each other and with you all listening um but i did one of the things i had uh questions turn into actions and applications at this age so so right, right in line with what you're talking about. And and going back just a little bit, like you said, that pre-K time frame, those sponges, it's really about <clears throat> the milk um, of the word. God made me, and we do creation stories and songs. God loves me, and we do stories and songs. God cares for me. Even when we tell stories like David and Goliath, we don't get into a whole lot of the background. We just show how much he took care of David. He saved him from bears and lions and now he saved him from this giant. And so so that's really the pre-K mindset. It's just pounding home those things that really, um, to those not raised in a Christian home, even you know people in their 20s and 30s may have questions about, is there a God? Does God care? Right. And we're really driving that home in the pre-K age group. As we get into elementary school, like we talked about last week, we get a little more context. I think we gave the example of, we may talk a little bit rather than just Jesus telling a story about someone helping, we might talk about who a Samaritan was and why that was so significant, but we don't get into as much of the application. So that elementary is a lot of context. We can add more information to the stories that we tell. But yeah, middle school, junior high, depending on what part of the country you live in, I don't know what it's defined as, but really that sixth to eighth grade change is going on in the lives of middle schoolers. And of these students that their whole world is characterized by change at, at this age 
Um, they've gone probably from one group of friends in elementary school that they've been with for years into a new school with new kids, with new buildings, new routines, new friends. Um, and one of the things just kicking off, just touching on the point um, that it is so different. We as adults, or at least uh, I think Zachary would share the thought, in uncertain times, the Bible is so helpful and sometimes we get the most out of the scriptures in really uncertain times right. in our lives yeah. as adults yeah and and i think that's a great application at this age is it's really uncertain times for those 11 12 13 year olds and uh taking the bible to them at this age is a huge opportunity absolutely so i wrote down a few things i think there seems to be kind of a love-hate relationship within this age group of students, especially from the side, I'm a youth minister, so I get to spend quite a bit of time with this age group. And within my colleagues, as far as networks of youth ministers, people either prefer the junior high group or they prefer the high school group. And very seldom is there a time where you don't prefer one or the other. So some of the things that you hear about the junior high students, well, the first thing is just obvious, the smell. So, I mean, <laughs> right. sometimes if you have a group of junior high boys or something, uh, it's just, man, if you could get past the smell, there's a lot of good there. But if you can't, maybe that's a deal breaker for you. <laughs> and then another thing I wrote down is just the awkwardness of this age group. You know, it's a lot of it is because what you said, you have a new group of friends. It's just different. But another part of it is that they're changing, Right. Bodies are changing, surroundings are changing, what they do and how school looks is completely different. So that's another, you either love that or you hate that. And then the third thing that I wrote down is their passion, their passion. Sometimes I think their passion drives some people away. They say, well, that's just too much. We need to settle down. I'll stick with my high school group or I'd prefer even elementary age. But then others gravitate toward that, um, and it's just contagious for some people. Uh, so, Steve, you have four children, um, really a couple of whom are at a junior high here in town. What are some of the things that, what are some of the characteristics that you see within them uh, that you would consider a positive things and things that maybe parents should take advantage of and use that for God in some way. Absolutely. Well, uh, and you make a great point, you know, the, the awkwardness, the, the strong personalities of this age group. Um, we've thrown out some statistics in some of our previous podcasts about churches losing youth, losing children as they grow older. And this is a very vulnerable time. And so we have to take the, the, the personality shifts, you know, um, physical changes, mental changes internally and visibly. These kids are changing a ton at this age. Statistics show that um, if if they aren't taken seriously at this age, if we don't give them that time um, to be a little different, um, this is when they may start that shift away from the church, away from the Bible. Um, you know, so for us, Part of having middle school students is becoming um, really good listeners at this age. Um, yeah. Up to this point, parents have gotten to do most of the talking. Right. 
And this is an age where now we have to be very active listeners. Um, as much as a 13-year-old might think they can tell us how it is. Uh, we know that's not the case. But we still have to listen to what they're saying. And we have to be active listen, not just what they're saying to us, but what they're saying to their siblings, what they're saying around friends. Because you pick up on so much mm-hmm. that they're picking up on. Right. Just by, by really listening to what's going on at this age. So that's been um, a huge one for us. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the application of the scriptures. Like I said, we go from a gradual progression and really in this age context, it's not just the context of the stories, it's context plus application. This may be the first time in a lot of these kids' life where they see something different than mm-hmm. what they've known um, where they hear things different than what they've known, where they hear right and wrong and see right and wrong. I mean, yep. I think I joked last week, middle school is kind of the wild west, but this is some of their first real opportunities to be a Christian in word and in deed. Yes. Um, so, so adding that context, um, also, you know, at this age in school, there's a lot of English and composition and, and, you know, academically, they're learning a lot about the main idea. Everything has a main idea. Um, and, and even in other classes, it may not be English class, but even in each subject, uh, middle school teachers do a really good job of keeping students attention. And it's a hard, hard work. Uh, we know some middle school teachers well, and they mm-hmm. tell some great stories, but the main idea in school is a huge thing. And, and we have to have good main ideas in our lessons and our devotionals uh, that we do at home or that we do at church to really capture the attention of, uh, of these kids as well. Yeah, their attention is very, very short. I did a lesson at the start of this pandemic. I think it was maybe April or May. And I can't even remember much about it other than I quoted this statistic is that the average human has a shorter attention span than a goldfish, which is just mind boggling. I think it's like 20 or 30 seconds. So it's like, I mean, that is a short time. And like Steve said, having that one, that main point, the main thing that was drilled into our heads uh, in youth ministry classes, in Bible classes, is just try to leave your audience with one point let them think about that one thing and not try to give them so so very much and i liked what steve brought up uh, with the parents in the listening and the active listening Uh, that's so important because it shows them one that you care about them but it also it also shows them that you value you know the words that they're saying their beliefs their thought patterns and affirming that with them would go a long way. So not just listening to them and saying, yeah, okay, but listening to them and saying, wow, you know, that was a great point. Man, you brought up something I didn't even think about. That's, I think that's so important uh, because when you don't do that, I think they start to become more and more silent. Even as adults, if we don't feel valued in something, that's when we start to struggle. And, right. and this is that time, and it goes back to that, when when people leave the church when the mindsets start changing and that uh, you bring up a great point or a great word there main idea maybe in value at this age um into what they're saying and doing yeah so i want to tell a brief story and then i kind of have my main point if you will 
of this lesson in my mind that I have written down. So it's one of the weirdest days that I've had in youth ministry. There's been a few weird ones, but this one's right up there near the top. The day started with uh, our youth intern going to fill up a van full of gas. And when she was there, the gas just went straight down to the concrete beneath the van. And the guy across from her just looks at the van and says, well, that's not good. And I was like, yeah, you nailed it. The gas is going straight down to the ground. That's not good. You're right. Uh, so she calls me and I was like, was well, there enough gas to just make it back to the church building? There was. So the van comes back and after looking at what had happened, uh, we found that someone had siphoned the gas out of there, cut the hose line, stole all the gas. So that van was not going to be able to be used uh, throughout the rest of the day. The problem with that was is that the youth group had on the schedule to go to a Texas Rangers baseball game that evening. We needed two vans. So we just uh, decided to use the backup van, a van that we really were just trying to use here in town. But we thought, eh, it runs, it works, we'll take it down to Dallas with us. So we're driving down in this red van. We stopped to eat, and this is where the second weirdest thing happens. Uh, a student, who shall remain nameless, one of these junior high students, were ordering at Rosa's Tortilla Factory, I believe is what it's called. Uh, delicious place. Great food. Great food. One of the best places we could take a youth group because it's cheap and everyone seems to like it. And this young lady orders a gallon of unsweet iced tea, quote from her, to water her plants at home. So we've had the gas, we've had someone buy a gallon of tea just to water their plants at home, and now we're headed to the stadium in Arlington. We're on Interstate 30, and I'm driving this red van, and it quits. In the middle of the road, nothing is happening for me. No acceleration, no lights, nothing and i'm in the middle lane on this interstate so we pull over <laughs> we load everyone i think i don't even know if i should say this on the podcast but there was other adults with me making these decisions as well i think we piled 18 students in the other van just to get them literally about three or four blocks to the stadium and we took the van to get it worked on i say all that because at the Ranger game, something interesting happened within this group of junior high students. There was a handful of them on this trip. And we're sitting up there, and if you've been to a Ranger baseball game or any major league uh, sporting event, there's drunk people all around. There's interesting characters all around. And it was our junior high students that decided to start singing the song Magnificat in the stands in the middle of the game. And if I'm being honest, I, at first I was a little embarrassed. I was like, guys, what are y'all doing? We're supposed to be singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game and you're singing Magnificat. And then, as you would know it, the people right above us were like, man, that's a great song. Tell us about it. Are y'all part of a church? Yeah, we're part of a church. Well, I'm a student pastor at this church. And we had this whole conversation because they started to sing this song Magnificat, this beautiful song. So I say all that story, a long story, to say this one point. Don't let your, when I say your, I'm talking about parents, adults, even high school students, don't let your 
timidness destroy your students' enthusiasm. Don't let your your timidness destroy your students' enthusiasm. You see, it kind of, like I said, I was a little embarrassed by that. I was like, don't do that. Don't sing that. And then looking back on it, I'm embarrassed at my reaction. Why not sing that? Why not let them do that? And it's all because I was scared. I was timid. And that's the group of junior high students. They're the action takers. And I think we should celebrate that in every way. And another word in there that just popped out at me is you said that's the group. This is an age group that feeds off of groups. So when we're doing devos at home, when we're doing Bible classes, whoever may be listening to this for whatever um, applications they may be using, what little knowledge I throw out and, and a lot of great knowledge Zachary throws out. This is a huge age group for groups, group learning, even even when it's just the family. Your middle school student is going to learn better doing stuff with your family than they necessarily are by themselves. Um, they just thrive on, on group things. So encourage those group opportunities. Encourage everybody to be studying together. Zachary's story, at the start there, if you're anybody who's ever done any sort of uh, youth trip or kids functions, probably sounds kind of familiar. It just seems like everything that yeah. can go wrong does go wrong. It's important to keep in mind in the life of a junior high student, that's almost every day <laughs> yeah, brings about wrong. all the feelings yep. and emotions, Zachary, that you had yeah. that day. And for it to triumph with them singing uh, such a great song, creating an opportunity to talk about God and about the Bible. I mean, what a, what a great example. Yeah. Um, in addition to, to focusing on the groups, this is a, this is a good time, a good stage in life, a good stage in building faith. Pre-K and elementary, we've talked about the heroes of the Bible. We've talked about all these great qualities that Noah had, all these great qualities that David had to go and do this when no one else did. Middle school is a great time in these stories with these students to talk about qualities that were not so good in some of these characters. Um, We emphasize the heroes and the good, obviously, and God's power, but, but we can't hesitate now to start pointing out some some qualities that didn't quite measure up because middle school's filled with feelings of not measuring up. So for them to have great examples from the Bible of people who by the world's standards made mistakes by God's standards fall short. Mm-hmm. You know, David, um, our minister here, has been doing a study in the Psalms. And we talk about a man who made so many mistakes but was still a man after God's own heart. That's, there's a lot of really good application at this age for right. even through our faults, even through our struggles. God made me back yeah. to pre-K. Yeah. God wants me to help others back to elementary school in this Good Samaritan. I mean, yeah, uh, this is a great time to tie those things in. Um, words, customs are going to be different now. Middle school is another time where we're going from that concrete word into more abstract thoughts. So they're going to understand a little more kind of when there's... Um, you know, writing that's not as literal, but it paints a different picture. They're going to understand that. So Mm -hmm. play on that. We've talked about memory work before, but memory work is still going to be huge in building the faith of our uh, middle school students. Uh, Just one more thing before I throw it back over to you, Zachary. We talked about the children's storybook Bibles in the early age. 
I threw out the NIRV last week as a great tool for right. elementary students. Yep. Uh, middle school, I'd say this is the time when we start taking out from time to time, not every night. I, as a middle schooler, would have never wanted to look at a concordance or a Bible dictionary. But maybe we show how other books can be used to help us study the Bible yeah. at this age. Absolutely. This is a good time to start because they're doing that kind of thing at right. school. It's right. maps, it's charts, it's dictionaries, it's the dissecting. Yep. It's all it's those things. The, yep. You know, the thesaurus to find different words. Yep. We can do that same type of stuff, build off the same things they're doing at school in our Bible studies too. So so if I if I recommended a storybook Bible for pre-K and I recommended an NIRV in elementary, I'd recommend a concordance or a Bible dictionary at this age to help spur right. some of the the devos at home and the thoughts and discussions yeah. at home. Yeah, this is a time where our students love to dig deep. They want deeper than just, you know, some simple Bible story. Not saying those aren't great because they are, but they they want more and they expect more. Uh, and oftentimes in their head, they're already think of thinking of different ways that this story uh, is applied in this current frame of of life. It's not just the story of, yay, David beat Goliath, but man, David sinned later in his life. He messed up bad, and yet God still calls him a man after his own heart. Uh, so those stories are so important. You know, I think about junior high and students and all the things that they're about, the action the spontaneous decisions, um, maybe spontaneous combustion at times, if we're being honest, <laughs> in some ways, one way or another. Um, <laughs> but you think, man, I, I would just hate, I would hate if we got in the way of things that they're wanting to do for God. So I wrote down a question, just a hypothetical. What if, what if junior high students were in charge of, of youth ministry. What if they were in charge of youth ministry? Maybe the question isn't that, but maybe the question is, what if they were in charge of our church? Man, what would it look like? And would be would we be willing to follow their lead? Because it, again, it goes back to that story at the Rangers game. They're, they'll go talk to the stranger. They'll go do anything. Back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back mission trips and service projects, they love to do that. But I think so many times, speaking for myself, I get in the way of their great godly ambitions. And I think if, if you're a parent and you're thinking, man, they just have so much enthusiasm, let them give them a little bit of freedom to chase that. Uh, if it's something that's out of control, hold back a little bit. But if it's for God, if it's for the church, don't hold that back from them just because you and I may be timid or afraid to go with them. I think that's a beautiful thing in this age group. Absolutely. The only other thing that I had down, Zachary, was, we, and we talked a little bit about it last week with elementary age students being kind of the stage in life when we start running to a lot of things and running to a lot of activities and it doesn't slow down hadn't slowed down yet for us even with our one in high school but i will say uh, something for you parents listening to think about junior high as sports start in junior high um, you see a little bit of a shift in 
it's, it's less people playing basketball through the Y and through outside leagues and they start playing sports at, at school. school. Yep. And our family, um, that has worked out because practices are more around school times before and after school because games are more set times and it doesn't, that's really helped us prioritize and make sure that we don't let some of those activities overrun the things that we need to be doing at home or the church activities that we need to be getting to. So um, we've found that middle school is a great time to, to talk about priorities with our, with our kids as well, because um, when it's on a school schedule, when it's getting to an older age, you can fall into some different rhythms and, uh, and you can help them prioritize some of those extracurriculars uh, because it's based so much on right. that age group and what's yeah. going on at the school. And so it's been a great time for us to talk to our kids about, well, we don't do this or we're not going to make that because we're going to do this and, and, and how those things add up. And, and it's been a good learning opportunity for us as parents and, and I think for them as uh, athletes and students yeah, and absolutely choir singers right. and all the different things that they do. Right. I mean, there's so much. If you thought elementary was busy and then junior high comes along and depending on what school you go to, I mean, it's completely year round right. and depending on what activities your student is involved in it literally can be just about year round what are your priorities in your families um, because it will show um, regardless of what you say are your priorities your student will be able to decipher what really is the priority and this age group is no different than any of the other ones that we've talked about it's still going to come down to as scary as it is the faith that we're building in our kids is the faith that's in us. Right. And they're going to see that they're going to, they're going to model that same behavior. So you have to always have that in the back of your mind as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a great age group this is. Uh, just one more thing that I wanted to point out when, when junior high students come in to the youth group, typically depending on where you are, youth group, maybe sixth grade, it may be seventh grade, but so whether you're fifth grade students or those sixth grade students that are just one year away from being in the youth group, it's something they can't wait for. It's like they try to sneak into every youth event. It's just something they're so excited for. And then they finally get there. And I think sometimes it could just be a little bit overwhelming. There's just so much going on. Uh, sixth grade could be in some events with a 12th grader. That's a big age gap or a seventh grader with a 12th grader that's a big age gap but man do they ever look up to those older students absolutely if if there's a way uh as you as a parent um or myself as a youth minister and pairing those older students with these younger junior high kids and just trying to make sure that they have someone to talk to someone that they can sit by during Bible class, someone that they can reach out to and ask a question, that makes a huge difference in the lives of students. And as well as for the parents, maybe other adults within the church that could just reach out to them and ask, you know, how are they doing? How are they adjusting to this new phase of life? In the life of a junior high student, that means the world it's to huge. them. They're so social. Um, yeah, it's a great, you, you make a, a, an awesome point. It's a great time to, to find that mentor. Um, if it's something you can do as a parent, if it's something that 
Zachary and I can do as, as ministers or the minister wherever you're at can help you with. But it's a great age uh, for, for a kid to have a mentor. Yeah. And there's some great ways to do it. Absolutely. Well, that is our junior high uh, talk of this faith-building mini-series. We hope that you enjoyed it and found a few practical things that maybe you could start as a family. And I hope that no one listening to this podcast feels guilty of things that they're not doing, perhaps. Because I don't think if you're not doing anything, there's never a bad time to start. No, And And even if you are, just doing something just starting is huge we talked about that in the first one just trying something is huge and and you're absolutely right as we throw these things out there it's not about uh, what a family isn't doing it's about what can we do going forward and so yeah these these hopefully will uh as we've said before they may not be the perfect one for your family but uh use the resources the people the church the internet the things around you in the village if you will um, to, to find what does work for you. Cause just doing something yes. is huge in, yep. in building the faith of our children. Right. Absolutely. Well, next week we'll be back to talk about our high school students. That's where you become the expert, Zachary. <laughs> well, I, I am closer to high school students oh, than junior uh, high in age, I guess. So, I hope you'll join us next week on Family, Faith, and the Bill.